to the JLA cask a podcast about life in the time of Grant Morrison across the DC universe and beyond my name's John and I'm a writer and creator of afterlife Inc and PJ uh, still isn't here well he's not here he's not here in person but he's definitely here in spirit we've been chatting a lot and um, uh, I hope you'll understand that he is uh, continuing to take some time to be with his family and of course his his amazing young son who I have an update from PJ, which I'm I'm happy to share here. Uh, he'd like to pass on to say that uh, things are going very well with him and the family, and he's hoping to resume uh, our regular programming soon. So yeah, thank you for your patience, and I hope you will continue to wish PJ and family uh, all the love and support and uh, kindness and generosity and great things in the world, because... Um, yeah, it's a wonderful time. It's a wonderful time for them, and we're very, very happy. So, um, by the sound of my uh, croaky, croaky voice, you can you can hopefully pick up that uh, I am I'm a bit ill at the moment. I've got some kind of um, bug. I was kind of feverish yesterday. Today, I'm just feeling a bit kind of bunged up. So, uh, a, a, a marginal improvement. Um, I very much hope that you enjoyed the guest episode last week of the Long Con with Nick and John, uh, recorded from Big Punch Studios. Um, I hope it wasn't too self-indulgent, uh, but hopefully it filled some dead air. Um, well, I, I do hope you enjoyed it because you're about to get another dose of it. Uh, we have another guest episode this week. Uh, it's for Long Con. So uh, I hope I hope that's like a, a nice... Um, well, it will never truly replace PJ, but I hope it's, I hope it's good compensation for the uh, for uh, that kind of gap in, in your life at the moment. Um I should say, uh, this coming episode uh, is uh, of the Long Con. Uh, is, a, is a very surreal one, uh, mostly because, um, well, we had some big news yesterday, uh, which some of you, uh, if you follow me online, may have seen. Uh, it's just been announced, um, uh, basically, a, a project I've been working on for the better part of a year now uh, has just gone public. So uh, I was very, very, very proud to announce that I am the writer for the Toxic Crusaders video game, which is a brand new beat-em-up from Retroware uh, based on the hit characters from Troma Entertainment and Lloyd Kaufman. Some of you uh, may remember a 1991 cartoon of the Toxic Crusaders, uh, for which uh, this video game is the sequel. And... uh, uh, it's, it's been it's been a wild week because uh, obviously I've been under NDA. I've not been allowed to talk about it for a very long time. Um, we were coming up to uh, I think at the time of recording, I believe PAX East is a big gaming convention is happening in America in the next week and a half, 
and that's where the game is having its physical launch. Uh, so you'll be you'll be able to, uh, if you're in attendance, you'll be able to play a demo, see some incredible artwork from the game. Uh, so we knew we knew it was going to go out into the world pretty soon. So I was all kind of geared geared up to talk about it at the end of March, and then uh, we got the word that they were doing uh, the kind of the online launch uh, this week. So it all happened very quickly. It went from kind of finding out that we were going live on Monday. No, wait, is it Monday? No, Monday? Tuesday. It may have been Tuesday. Anyway, Wednesday, we were all waiting for it to go live. And some of the development team, uh, most of the team is American, but some of the development team are UK-based. And and due to the time difference, uh, it was getting very late in the day for us. Uh, and I wasn't feeling very well anyway because the fever was coming on. And I think I, I passed out on the sofa, woke up about 11 p.m. my time to find that it had just gone live 10 minutes before. So I kind of um, leapt into uh, <laughs> leapt into uh, into social media to start kind of sharing. And, uh, it's, uh, and yeah, and then it's just been a really wild 24 hours. And um, this, uh, this episode of Long Con was recorded yesterday in the midst of that kind of hype. I think at the, at the time of going live with it... Um, it had only been out in the world 12 hours, if that. And the response has been absolutely overwhelming. So having been in a, in a, in a state of mild fever, mild delirium, uh, just kind of being a bit overwhelmed by how how incredibly well this thing went down, uh, Nick and I just kind of sat down to to chat about it. So so that's what this episode is going to be about. Um, it's a little self-congratulatory. Uh, so I hope you'll excuse me there. But... Nick and I both kind of acknowledge that we never really take the time to stop and smell the roses. We never really kind of pause to talk about our achievements. So we we tried. We wanted to take a moment to talk about uh, Toxic Crusaders, which has obviously been very 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 cool for me, um, and uh, Nick's uh, Colossal RPG, which is still continues to kind of just just be great. Uh, he's kind of killing it with that. And uh, my new project, the Comic Writer's Journal, which is a customizable journal designed to help comic writers of all skill levels bring their stories to life. It's a brand new project of mine. It's a complete coincidence that it's all happening at the same time, but that's launching on Kickstarter uh, in the next week. So I'll put links in the description if you're interested. Uh, but yes, please, please forgive me for you know the next episode, which we're just going to be waffling on about our own Big Punch-related nonsense. I hope it's entertaining. And uh, yeah, once again, please join me in wishing PJ and family all the best. And it won't, and we will be returning to our regular, regularly scheduled content at some time. So thanks, folks. Uh, uh, keep keep watching the the scars. <laughs> it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Oh, I was going to say, like, should we? Do like a preamble, but one thing I quite like about this podcast is that we don't. We're sort of running hot. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, well, here we are. Yeah. Delicious. Delicious, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of like my third coffee of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, You're ahead of me. I'm on my second. You're on your second. But mind um, you, you didn't have breakfast until we got in there. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, bad for that sometimes. I can't, yeah, I can't function. Yeah. Like even even like today where I'm not feeling a hundred percent, a little under the weather, um, I was like leap out. Of, I didn't leap out of bed this morning. But I, was like, I was like, oh, breakfast, I'm like crawling, <laughs> please, crawling down the stairs, crawling to have a dry and ball of brown flakes, yeah. <laughs> dog food for boys. Yeah, I love it. No one else on the planet. <laughs> <laughs>
craves it as much as you do. Well, we, we were both eating handfuls of dry granola yesterday. Actually, yeah, that was that was yeah. a treat. That was more of a treat than I sort of expected it to be. Yeah. You were like, can I have a handful of dry granola? And I was like, weirdo, sure. I'll have some too. <laughs> oh, it's really good. Because <laughs> you because it, it was for, for for context, you have a couple of bags of granola in the studio. I have two granola sacks. You have the luxury brand. Yeah, this is my genius plan, right? Okay. So there's the luxury brand, which you get hardly any granola for like four pound fifty. Yeah, and then you get the cheapo brand, which you get like a, a vat of granola yeah. for like one pound fifty. And what I do is I do half and half, so it makes the whole thing taste like because the luxury does taste way better. Yeah. But I do half and half. It's like a, it's like a topping of the good stuff, and it makes the whole thing taste like the good stuff. But we ate the, the shit, bag the inf- I, which I quite liked. Which was actually regardless. Quite good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not bad. It's I not a bad the, base layer. I liked the raisins. I thought they were very soft and Indeed. and kind of wholesome. It's because it's an old bag. <laughs> I just um, I don't I, think raisins raisins go off, do they? I think it's fine. It's fine. They should get harder. If, if anything, anything, it's like yeah. they become a wine. Yeah, right. That's how it they works. Become a fine yeah. wine. They yeah. become a sun dried tomato. I just nicked. Those Jaffa cakes from the kind of communal food area. Yeah. And they were fresh out the bag, like mm-hmm. really just broke the seal. And I was like, these are the softest Jaffa cakes I've ever eaten. Oh, really? And I was thinking like, is there something wrong with them? Because they're so soft. But no, Jaffa cakes go hard when you leave them out. They do, don't they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I know they were just... Like, fresh. Presumably the freshest Jaffa cakes I've ever had. You never tend to have them straight out of the pack, maybe. I don't know. You put them maybe on not, a plate no. or something. Other people get beat me to it. It's very quiet out in the communal... It is, yes. Area today. Yeah, for context, we're at the studio, and the studio is off of a co-working communal space. Yeah. Where lots of people can come in and just at any time for free use the space to work. And it's usually a very busy, very noisy, very vibrant, yeah. artistic space. It's everything you'd expect from like a, a kind of weird, and I mean that in a nice way, weird yeah. like creative culture. Load of artists yeah. coming together, load of hippies basically. Um, but no, it's quiet today. There's hardly anyone out there, and it's also, it's also quite quiet. Yeah. yeah. So it's just us and our thoughts. Yeah, oh God. Yeah. And we're recording them. And I said, I'm not feeling like 100% because, uh, I don't know, I came down with something, I came down with something very suddenly uh, last <laughs> night and uh, had to very suddenly uh, make a trip to um, the little little boy's room. The ceramic throne. <laughs> <laughs> make, an, make an offering and to the system god. <laughs> um... So I'm feeling um, a lot more streamlined now. Yeah. I can tell you. So, but, but you had something big happen last night. Not just that event. <laughs> two significant movies. Two significant yeah. events happened to you. Well, no. Um, it's very nice to be able to say this out loud. I mean, and, and I, I'm apologising to you, Nicholas, Oh, it's fine. Because you've, had, you've, had, had, you've had this like all morning. Yeah. Uh, it's been nothing but this. Um, but also you broke NDA with me uh, thousands of years ago. <laughs> uh, the moment I signed that thing, I think uh, I told you. Uh, so some people knew. Mm. But for... Um, the better part of a year now, I have been working on a video game for an American publisher called Retroware. Yep. I feel I have to say American because it's like when we're talking to all the British friends, I'm like, oh, they're American. Oh, yeah. you know, that sounds kind like of, Yeah, fancy. I don't know. It adds yeah. something to it. I don't know. Yeah, it, it kind of makes it. It shouldn't, but... It kind of makes it fancy. It kind of makes yeah. it fancy. Bigger deal. But no, so, so the big news is, long and short is, I am the writer of the Toxic Crusaders video game. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, based on the hit characters from Troma Entertainment yep. and Lloyd Kaufman, who is, uh, if you know if you know Troma and you know Lloyd Kaufman, then you know, like you know. This is the, the yeah. wild paradox, I think, of Troma and Toxie and yeah. Toxic Crusaders and Toxic Avenger. Is it's it sounds like yeah. it sounds niche, right? It sounds like yeah. if you know, this is a huge deal. Yeah, but it's simultaneously also a massive deal. 
Like this is this is what I find so weird about it is that like people think oh because it's niche and because I haven't heard of it when I do hear about it I'll discover that it's quite small yes but when you do hear about it and you do discover it you realize it's quite big it's like the opposite it's it's massive yes but niche and I don't quite know how it walks that line it's really it's really really bizarre yeah because uh, and, and this is the thing like I've I've tried to explain this to a few people yeah and the ontological journey your brain has <laughs> wow. to go on to get to understanding on this is wild because yeah. it's like so i mean you've had all this before so i apologize That's so right. in the 80s well actually the 70s kind of into the 60s um uh there was this young scrappy independent film company called troma yes t-r-o-m-a yes and troma i think originally kind of late 60s early 70s made kind of like like boner comedies for okay. lack of a better word, like, yeah, I know um, like American Pie sort of thing. Yeah. So, you know, you can kind of picture it. Like it, the post could be something like um, gym shorts, yeah. you know, and it would be like a bunch of like ladies, yeah. like seductively, like wearing basketball gear or something like that. And then one dude like shrugging in the corner, <laughs> you know. Oh, that's perfect. Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. It was always um, those, those, those covers were always like a woman, but you could only see her legs up to her hips. Yes. And her legs would be apart. Yes. And then through her legs, you'd see a guy going, yeah. Doi! Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the woman is so objectified, we don't even see her body or face. Yes. Just see her legs from behind. And through her legs, we see the main character, which is a teenage goofy boy with his arms shrugging, like, ooh. Yeah. yeah. Yes, no, 100. Uh, yeah. Uh, you've captured the, the whole ethos of it perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And I think, who, who was the actor who was in, like, Waterworld? Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. I think it's Kevin Costner. I could have got this wrong. Really? Um, you know that thing where, like, sometimes a really famous actor did, like, a shitty movie when they were very young? Yes. And then after they become famous, the studio re-releases it with their face, like... Yes, starring yeah. Kevin Costner. Yeah. I think it's Kevin Costner. I could have got this wrong. It might be Kevin Costner or, like, Patrick Swayze or, or someone Brilliant. in that kind of... Vibe. But they did, like, a... God it was called, like, soul. The Bikini Murders or something like that. <laughs> and, like... They re-released it because it's like it was his first ever movie wow. when he was like twenty-one or something like and that. And this was a trauma. That movie. was a trauma one. Yeah, interesting. And then trauma kind of like was headed by a guy called Lloyd Kaufman, mm. and they kept going through like the seventies, and then in the eighties, inexplicably, <laughs> they made a comedy, horror, action, farcical, sexy, low-budget. Superhero movie for like B a movie, B movie, kind of, yeah, called The Toxic Avenger, yes, which is about a a kid, a nerd who gets doused in toxic chemicals and is transformed into a a hideous mutant, but with superpowers, but with superpowers, who becomes like the guardian of Tromaville, yeah, which is this town in New Jersey where it's all. And set. this was very much at the peak, or maybe the trigger of I don't know, of that sort of toxic obsession. That we kind of had yeah. in both kids and adults media. Yes. Where it was like, toxic waste gives you superpowers, but also it's kind of gross out, it makes you disfigured, it makes everyone go drippy. Maybe like the end of Indiana Jones and Last Crusade had a, had an effect yeah. on this. Things turning into drippy, plasmary, gooey mess. Goo, yeah. There was a weird obsession with 80s that. 80s into 90s. Yeah, definitely. And it sort of solidified, crystallised in the 90s, didn't yeah. it? That sort of neon ooze kind yeah. of thing. It would always yeah. glow, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it like... Maybe there was something on about like, I don't know, like nuclear, it was like a big scare around like nuclear waste or pollution in the 80s or something that would have triggered this. Or it was the growth of like superheroes gaining powers from accidents like the Hulk and stuff like that. I think that contributed as well. Yeah, Yeah, probably so. Yeah. Yeah. But no, but then 
as you know, the Toxic Avenger was an incredibly like R-rated, gory, but Dumb. kind of but kind of tongue-in-cheek yeah. kind of movie. But and it blew up, didn't it? Inexplicably. Yeah. I don't think any I don't think anybody there expected it to do as well as it did. Like it, no. really, it went from being like a director. I was going to say direct to VHS, but it might have even predated like yeah. mass production. <laughs> direct to laser disc. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and inexplicably, it's it, 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 <laughs> Gadero type <laughs> wax cylinder. Yeah. But it was really popular, and inexplicably, it brought in a ton of money for Troma, who went yeah. from being this independent, you know, really outside the studio system to suddenly having like a lot of. Why well, do I don't say clout? But they suddenly were operating above their station. Yeah, and they—they're really, even now they—they they say they're like they're fiercely independent. And I think they also managed to occupy that. Um, it's kind of like a gold standard of cult status. Yes. So 100%. if you gain cult status in the movie world, you you almost secure a groove like of your own making. Yeah. You're not following trends. You're not following what everyone else is doing. You you become independently. Are like famous and worthy of that fame by virtue of just doing your weird fucking yeah. thing and no, loads of people try it and not all of them get cult status not every, yeah. but Troma did and, and and particularly Toxie did yeah and, and it's funny because like I think they themselves would, be, would, would quite proudly say that like they're not making high art yes like they, they make deliberately oh, quite, quite deliberately. trashy stuff but people love it people carry like a real soft spot for it so they're yeah, not yeah. they're not Disney but, oh, they're, no. <laughs> but they're themselves and they're still yeah. doing it, which yeah. is kind of something. It is, yeah. And they made like sequels to The Toxic Avenger, which uh, were not as well received. They made, um, they somehow, after the success of Toxic Avenger, got a co-production deal with some Japanese TV production or film production company okay. who wanted them, to Troma, to make a joint American-Japanese production of a superhero movie. Oh. And they made Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD. That's where he came from. Yes. And uh. the Japanese uh, investors weren't happy with it. I wonder why. Hard to, <laughs> hard to imagine why. And I think they may have like pulled their support for it or something like that. Oh, boys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they were kind of riding high on the this big hit, which was Toxie. They never quite had a follow-up, which was as successful, but... They'd really got into the public consciousness. Yeah, right. And then come like 1991, yep. they did what a lot of X-rated, R-rated 80s movie did, which is so make, a, make a kid's cartoon. Yeah, because, and this is such a weird trend. Yeah. Because Robocop is a really good example yeah, of it, yeah. right? Robocop is easily one of the most brutal, violent, R-rated movies, yeah. you know, 18 over here, um, I think I've ever seen. And I saw it way too young as well, by the way, and it totally scarred me yeah. um, but um, but then there was a kid's cartoon of it yeah. it's like what the hell and I and you know, you know you hear and of course about, that was way less R-rated obviously yeah, but, 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 you hear, but you hear about some of these and you feel like was that real or was that a parody yeah like I have like a weird sense memory where I'm like did they actually make a Robocop cartoon and they did and, they like, did. and there's a Rambo one as well yeah it's it like yeah. What, what 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 is the mindset but I think I don't know how they even got this cartoon made because, like, you know, it wasn't... It must, have, it must have cried, like, a lot of, like... You know, it's not easy to just get, like, a cartoon on no. like, national TV. I granted, they've only got one season, haven't they? Yes, it was only yeah. 13 episodes. But it was very much, I think, riding off the back of 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Which was inexplicably doing amazingly at the time. Yes, like it was taking over world toys, action figures, lunchboxes. Again, toxic waste, kind of gross out, sewer comedy. Very, very similar vibes. Yeah. And so they took Toxie, the Toxic Avenger, and they made Toxic Crusaders, which was a 1991 cartoon, which they expanded... To, you know, the cask. So now Toxie, the main character, was joined by a group of other super-powered mutants. Yes. They all had powers, but they were all kind of gross. Hideously and, deformed, kind of. Hideously yeah. deformed is the big buzzword they keep yeah. coming back to. And it did all right for itself. Like, the, the first season uh, kind of, you know, wasn't doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles numbers. No. But was, like, relatively popular. And but this is where yeah. this is where the weird niche part comes in because I remember Toxic Crusaders. Yes, and I, I remember, remember watching it, as, well. it as a kid. Yeah. And I didn't really know. You know, you're not very discerning when you were a kid, particularly 1991 I was like 6. Yeah. So <laughs> for me it was just colors. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. And I think we talked about this earlier but I think we both thought that it was part of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles world yeah. because they just kind of had so much similar DNA. Yeah. That early 90s like is goo, yeah. it's goose. It's colourful, um, it's adventure, it's action. It's gross out, it's, yeah. it's silly. Um, there's a real 90s like there was. gack kind of thing. Like everything <laughs> would just be like... A gack fetish. A gack fetish. <laughs> and there were action figures. There were. Toxie. Yeah, it was toy man- merchandised up the wazoo. And I've seen, um, I've seen developmental material for the planned season two. Oh, really? As part of this project I worked on. Wow. So I've seen, like, stuff, character designs that were never huh. implemented because it never got off the ground. Interesting. And uh, the rumour is, uh, or the kind of widely accepted opinion, is that um, Toxic Crusaders as a brand was bought, I, I, I think it was one of the big film companies, I can't remember, but they bought it and then kind of sat on it and did nothing with it. On purpose. This is the theory, because it was seen as a potential rival to, like, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, who acquired that? Was it New Line Cinema? Potentially. It was whoever... Because Michael Bay made the movie, right? Yes. I don't don't know know whether that helps how many times that Turtles has changed hands. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. But but, but basically, the franchise was effectively killed before it could grow. That really sucks. And I know Lloyd Kaufman has... Because when they re-released the cartoon on DVD, he recorded, like, intros to the episodes oh, in really? live action. And he's joking, like, he's quite openly joking to the camera about how, like, soulless multinational corporations ruined his retirement fund, basically. <laughs> um, uh, he's, he's, he's going, like, you know, and this was going to make Uncle Lloydy a very rich man. <laughs> you know, it didn't work. How old is he now? He's quite old now. He's in his 80s, I believe. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um... And, uh, yeah, so it died. Yeah. And then nothing happened. And then, of course, that was early 90s, and there were a few video game tie-ins, like the NES and the SNES. There were some action figures, the Game Boy, but it just died. Yeah. And then you flash forward to the present day. Yeah. And I think it might be legendary. Are they a production house or a studio? They're they're like a publisher. They're like a, uh, yeah, like a Warner Brothers or a... I can't remember what yeah. that was. Maybe a production company. Yes, don't know. So Legendary, the film people, announced a couple of years ago or something. Or anyway, the point is, the film is in post-production now. They're remaking the Toxic Avenger. This is wild to me. So yeah. so they, they bought the rights off of whoever had it. Yes. Who were sitting on it. So maybe like uh, they bought the rights or maybe like a certain amount of time elapsed and you could now do something with it again. I don't know. So they've shot the film. The a, film a is new, in... The a film new is, Toxic yeah, Avenger. With, with, which has Elijah Wood in it. 
Oh, really? Is he, he playing the main role? I don't... Maybe. I don't know. Peter Dinklage is in it. Okay. And I don't know if Peter Dinklage is doing the voice of of the Toxic Avenger. I don't Do you know. know if it's live action? It's live action. Right, okay. Yeah. I. Um, it's all been shot. It's in post-production. We're like, going to have a trailer soon then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's coming out at some point and people like... It's mad. Yeah. So... And, and I think the director, the writer-director, he has a pedigree of working on some quite well-received horror movies. So okay. I think people are like... So going down the kind of horror route, maybe? Maybe just the gore route. I don't know. Okay. I, I think yeah. that kind of sense of humour is probably quite kind of something we want to keep. Yeah. So the project I've been working on is not affiliated with the movie because they're two separate licensing brands, if you think about Crusaders it. Crusaders and Avenger. Yeah. Yeah. So Toxic Avenger... Presumably, Legendary acquired the rights to make the movie. Yeah. And now, I'm working, I have been working for a company called Retroware, who have acquired the rights to the to Toxic Crusaders. Yeah. So, with the blessing of Troma, they've worked very closely with Troma, uh, Lloyd Kaufman's been involved in everything, they've released, and we just announced it like like less than, yeah. well, about 12 hours ago. Yeah. Uh, at the time of recording, the game has just been announced. So, yeah, yeah it's a, a, a side scrolling, beat em up action. I don't really even call it a beat em up. It's probably the, vi- the yeah. best. Uh... Yeah, action, side scrolling action brawler kind of, I guess, Streets of Rage is the, the yes. most obvious Streets analog, of Rage, yeah. Bat and Golden Axe kind of thing. Um, and, and yeah, and it's based on, in a way, the, the cartoon yes. of the 90s. And, and it's it's calling on, and it's, it's just so weird that this is happening now of all yeah, time, but also nostalgia. Yes. Like, here we are, you know. <laughs> and and it's, it's, it's really bizarre because I, um, I was obviously on NDA most yeah. of the last year and now it's been officially announced I can talk about it but I'm only allowed to talk about things that are, have been referenced in the official release from uh, Retroware so the trailer yeah so anything that's mentioned in the trailer anything that's been mentioned on the Steam page so I, I, okay. I think there's a couple of things I can't say sure but I, I know what I can but, okay sure but it's really cool it's, it's kind of like it looks um, amazing it looks so good it's been like because uh, I've been showing you some stuff in development and it's like uh, it's such an amazing team of like artists and um, you know coders is that the right word yeah I guess yeah, yeah developers yeah I suppose I should give a massive shout out to uh, Sam from Freak Zone Games yep so Sam is uh, an old friend of mine uh, yeah from friend, school right from school was he was making video games when we were both you know kids yeah and he stuck with it and I've got so much admiration for him because he's, he's made this whole kind of company and brand as a as a solo developer and he got brought on to you know he has his own company and his own brand but he was brought on to be the lead developer on that's huge on this game and um again we've just been working on it for like the better part of a year yeah and like i've just been privy to all this incredible like such a dream team being assembled and like (laughs) i've really got to see how the sausage is made because everyone's uh in a weird way like i had i had a lot of involvement well, I was kind of like, I was liaising directly with Sam, the lead developer, with like, uh, mostly through Sam, to be honest. And then we had like Xander, who was our art director. So I was mostly kind of liaising with them. And then yeah. just kind of like, quiet, quietly, like smiling and nodding <laughs> as everyone else was working on the art and elements and stuff. And then we brought in, I say we, but we brought in Steve Gregson, who's a guy I've never actually had the pleasure of meeting in person. But like us, he's part of the UK comics scene mm. so we've moved in very similar circles for years it's weird, isn't so it? he's been brought on as the official in-game artist so right. he's been illustrating all the uh characters for promotional materials he's been um bringing to life the animated comics yes because it's like motion comic cutscenes in the game yes yeah, for sure yeah. so uh so it's fully voice acted 
there's going to be a dialogue in game, mm-hmm. which will be popping up while you're playing in a non-obtrusive manner. And then between levels, we have these animated comics, mm. which are written by me, uh, illustrated by Steve, animated by the animation team, and then fully voice acted by Team Four Scar, mm. who are if you know them, you know them. They're big, big, big YouTube personalities. But they famously did Dragon Ball Abridged, which is where they took the, the 58,000 hours were of <laughs> Dragon Ball content, edited each episode down into like a five-minute chunk, and then redubbed it. Yes, with uh, their own voice acting. With a slightly comedic kind of bent. And yeah. people generally seem to think that it's better than the original, because <laughs> it, it actually just cuts right to the core of it. Yeah. 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 So this is really cool. It's 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 been it's a... huge. It's massive, and it's and it's like congratulations. Well, thank you. Basically. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so exciting, and I feel like for for your first like because you've worked in video games before, but this is like probably your first big splash. I know with regards to video games, and and what a splash! You know, like oh, thank you. It could be it could be everything that that you know could carry you and and your well, and your abilities further. Well, that would be amazing. Well, thank you, man. That's pretty kind. I mean, um, it's funny because. Again, like seeing all the work that's been done, I knew it was shaping up to be something lovely. Mm. But like, I didn't know how people were going to react. And then it dropped, you know, it dropped last night. So of course, late for us, UK time, yeah. but kind of early afternoon for the American crowd. And um, it's just been blowing up. Like people yeah. are just going crazy for it. And people are coming out the woodwork going like, I loved that cartoon. Yeah. And, and then like the Troma fans are going like, there's a video game based on the movie. So you're getting like all these different crowds kind of coming in. It's crazy how it's... Yeah, this is what I meant about it being like, you may not have heard of it, but when you've heard of it, you realise how big it is. And it's like, it's crazy how it kind of, you kind of got two audiences, because you've got the Tromer audience and you've got the Toxic Crusaders yeah. audience. And there's a lot of overlap between those two audiences, but they are also distinct as well. And yeah. the beauty of the game is that even if you're a Troma fan, but you didn't really watch Toxic Crusaders, there's loads of Troma stuff that's, in the game. That's the really wild thing. And this is why it's very hard to try and describe this project uh, <laughs> to people because I'm saying like, so it's a video game based on a cartoon, yep. based on an R-rated <laughs> live action movie, yep. but it's a kid-friendly cartoon. Yeah. Only the video game, which is kind of the sequel to the cartoon, cartoon. series, has references to other live action trauma movies, which we also got the rights to. So we've, so I, I had to take <laughs> other R-rated movies in the Troma universe because they all kind of, they're all kind of overlapping. And they all like, inhabit the same space, right? Yeah. Yeah, and like adapt those characters into the cartoon logic. That's right. Of the world. Yes. Which is which is like a really bizarre experience. Like because yeah. they did, um, there were four Toxie movies. Right. And I think the second and third ones weren't made by Lloyd Kaufman. Okay. And then he came back to do the fourth one, which I think they made around the year 2000. Oh, right. Uh, And they make a joke in that, that like they're ignoring the second and third (laughs) ones because I don't think anyone really likes those. Right. And um, it's like, so now working the plot of like Toxie 4. Right into like the cartoon universe and then having to just like tone it the hell down yeah right there is stuff in that movie which is like but also referential yeah like yeah yeah it's 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 so weird having to like kidify everything yeah and also like weave everything into because it's like um this has been announced i can say this so it's like we're weaving in uh uh obviously toxy four so that plot line of that comes into it um class of newcomb high 
right. gets worked into it. That's another one. Poultry Geist, Night of the Chicken Dead. That's been worked into it as well. And Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD, has been worked into it as well. So it's wow. like an absolute So I'm guessing, board. I kind of know the answer to this question, but for the purposes of the podcast, <laughs> you had to watch a lot of trauma content. I certainly did, yes. Yeah, so did you watch, you watched all the Toxic Crusaders, obviously, I cartoon. Did, yes. And uh, I of which there were 13 notes. Yeah. yeah. And then you watched a load of these trauma, gross out, I did. horror, kind of yeah. horror adjacent movies. Yeah. yeah. So and that must have been interesting. It really, it really was. And like, um, I, I, I came to have a bit of an appreciation for them because while they are in incredibly bad taste, yeah, it's funny. Like, they're almost so bad taste they go around again to becoming kind of like charming <laughs> really? because they're just being so aggressively offensive yeah. that like it almost comes across as like child, like childlike yeah like, like playground insults it doesn't seem mean no it's it not mean-spirited or malicious it's very silly yes yeah yeah uh and like and some of the shit is like really really gross like stuff like you'd really? never in a million years be able to put anywhere near a cartoon like um <laughs> so yeah i had to have a selective eye for that yeah sort of stuff. yeah because that's not normally your jam is it really not really no, no like no. i i don't i don't want to speak for you but me certainly like i've never really been much of a fan of things that are excessively gory or gross i don't know i i, I you know, I I know a lot of people do love that stuff. Like some people, like I've got a friend who who loves old horror movies. Yeah. On the basis that back in the day, horror movies, the way they shocked was to do kind of gore, but they yeah. kind of did it badly. But they also did it knowingly badly. Yeah. Like you have an arm off. He's got an arm off. Yeah. And, it, <laughs> and, it, and it would just like squirt. Yeah. You know. And it would and it would look like someone was pumping off screen, like yeah. a little little valve or something. And and everyone goes, Way and laughs. And I get I get it, but also like I don't care at all. Like that's not something I want to create. I like creating a slightly cleaner world. Than yeah. That. <laughs> I know it, 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 it's funny and I in in a weird way, that's it was it was quite nice to be like writer for hire. Yeah. It, it was nice to come into it with a bit of distance between it. Yeah. It was quite a I think there's something yeah. to that. Yeah. We can't say much, but we are, because we're under another NDA. Yes. With, a, with another. So many NDAs <laughs> at the moment, yeah. Um, but we, we have been approached by and are potentially going to, maybe in the future, work on a big license and, yeah. and, and turn it into something of a tabletop experience. Yes. Um, and what's interesting about the license that we're working on is that you and I are completely, we can say it's a video game license. Yeah. We're completely unfamiliar with it. Yeah. The person who is kind of hiring us and potentially facilitating the, the gig uh, is a huge fan of it. Yeah, he's got the connection to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wants us to bring our game development savvy to the thing, which I think is really, really interesting and also potentially the right route to go. Mm. Because if we were obsessed with it to the level that, that he is, we would be, we would, our minds would be clouded yes. by, um, by, by our fandom and our familiarity with it. But we will, we will do the research. If, yeah. if this thing resolves, we will do the research like you did for Troma and we will learn everything there is to learn about this weird world we've never stepped into. Yeah. And then we will take that and we will apply from a cold third person like <laughs> standpoint what we think is a good game I know, to that. And it's kind of cool because then we can come in with this like dispassionate yes, approach yes. and then our partner can come in with the passionate approach and we'll meet in the middle. And it, like, and it will yeah. probably be perfect yeah. because so often when a fan makes a thing that they're a fan of, it's, it's not... 
It's not really what they want. It's a very, it's a, it's a very funny. Sometimes it works, but other times it's like the worst thing you can do is put a fan in charge. Yeah. Like, um, or even the worst yeah. thing you can do is give the fans what they want. Oh, I which know. Which is clearly apparent from Star Wars because oh, Star God, Wars is yeah. eating itself alive on the basis of trying to give the fans what they want, and yet the fans can't agree on what they want, which is part of the problem. Which is probably why you shouldn't be pursuing that at all, yeah. and instead just be making what you think are good stories. Which that they all yeah, obviously fail. No, agree. Doing. And and it's yeah, it's really funny because yeah, you're right to say it's eating yourself alive because they can't seem to please anyone. No. Now. And so often, like like there'll be a new Star Wars project announced, and the person at the helm will be like, "Hey, I'm I'm Gordon Chunk, and I'm a massive Star Wars fan, and I can't wait to get my teeth in." And immediately, that's a red flag for me. It's like, "Oh, Gordon Chunk, massive Star Wars fan. It's going to be shit." Yeah. Because because if it was just someone who wasn't a massive Star Wars fan, but kind of liked the universe adjacently, yeah. but also told really really good stories, I think we'd be onto a winner there. But instead, we've got Gordon Chunk. Because I think <laughs> there comes a point where, and I, and I, and maybe you don't put words in your mouth. Maybe you feel the same way. We've talked at length about like creativity, yeah, yeah, and how like it's very easy to talk about like the magic of creativity. Indeed, when really it's been said before, but like so much of creativity is actually like just grunt work. Yes, it's just grind. And yeah. I think coming in and treating it like a job is is quite important. Agreed. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's like um, Mark Commode, the film critic. He's often he has a theory. He's often said that like the best comedies, when you learn about them, were an absolute nightmare to shoot. Right. Like everyone was miserable. It was long <laughs> hours. Everyone was having a hard time. He said, and he said he kind of feels that every time you hear that like people had an amazing time shooting a movie, he feels like the comedy isn't actually as good. It's, and that's very subjective. But it is subjective, but it plays yeah. into your big thesis on comedy and humor. Yeah. Which is like, if everyone's having a great time on set, it's probably all in-jokes a go-go, right? Yeah. It's probably point, yeah. really funny if you're there. Yeah. But the instant you, as an audience, sat at home, put the DVD on and watch it, you're like, why are they all laughing? I don't understand. This isn't funny. Because you weren't there, yeah. man. And it yeah. was only funny because you were there. If you can build something that is so deliberately for someone else or everyone else's yeah. consumption... The time you have building it will inevitably be something of a grind. There's yeah. there's love in there. There's passion. There's blood and sweat, right? But there's tears as well because 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 it's work, mm. and the work is making it uh, consumable and accessible by everyone. Yeah, and yeah. that's where treating it like a job comes in. Yeah. And to pull it back to what we were originally talking about, you had to dive neck deep into ooze and goo and toxic bullshit. <laughs> not that kind of toxic. No, not that kind of In order to immerse yourself in a world you normally wouldn't care about, but so that you could professionally sit the fuck down and write a script, yeah. which you did. And, and, and it, that's really commendable. And it, well, well, thank you. And I, and I think, um, you, know, you know, what we've talked about, I'm just repeating myself now, but like when I think back on the process of, of, of making this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, it was a lot of like long, lonely hours yeah, yeah you know like it's a rewarding process but like i think most of that writing when i was really kind of just knuckling down on it it was like what is my day today yeah and at that time because i really needed to focus it wasn't like i'm gonna go hang out with nick no because i had to just put myself in a bubble yes i would go to um the shared office space we have in cheltenham yeah and i'd sit on my own like for eight hours, hours yeah. and i just like drink coffee and, and grind away and grind away because i knew it's like i need to write a level today so it's like I, I can't leave until I've yeah. written like seven pages of potentially humorous dialogue. And that's another thing, you have to make it funny. Yeah, and yeah. then and, and and just and it really was crunch time, just going like Yeah. And and, and it's funny because you're trying to be entertaining. Yeah. But I'm like 
I have to academically think this is funny. Yeah. I can't laugh to myself. I just have to go like, yes, this is yes. an all right joke. This is humorous. And I am having a fun time. <laughs> and, then, and then, and it's just kind of like, it's a grind. Yeah. It's a real grind. And then you do that rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And then... And I think, yeah, I think it plays into like what we've talked about, like you said, like loads about sort of like our theories of creativity. Mm. And, and we've been doing this for so long now that to some extent, I think we're qualified at least to talk about what our creative process is. Um, and... To, to abstractly refer to it as pure magic through and through from A right to Z yeah. is, is wrong and naive, I think, because there is a magical part. The very beginning, the conceptual, yeah. the flash of idea, <laughs> that is magical. You get half a day. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. get half a day of pure magic. And you're riding, it. you're riding so high, like, 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 you know, not, not to make it all about me all of a sudden, but no, like, do. but like yesterday I told you that I, I randomly had a new idea for a game Yes, and I prototyped yeah. it and it all, all happened in about three hours from like driving in my car thinking, oh my God, this could, this could be a game. This could work to having a working prototype yeah. on my table three hours later. That morning I was honestly like riding so high. Like I went, I went out to the co-working space at the studio and someone asked me like, hey Nick, how you doing? I was like, I'm doing really well actually. <laughs> you know, normally you just answer with like, yeah, no, I'm doing all right, how yeah, you yeah. doing? But I was like, no, actually I'm fucking amazing. Like, <laughs> like, it feels so good when you're at the beginning of the creative process. But now I'm looking at this game and I'm like, okay, the idea's done now. Like the, the fun prototyping yeah. building part. I now know that all the stats, maths, numbers, they all need so much work before this game is even slightly viable to go anywhere. And then I'll have to sit and draw countless, countless yeah. artworks, all of which will need to be iterated multiple times because I can't, like, I can't just draw the first thing that came into my head. I'm going to have to make those characters strong yeah. and well-designed. You're staring down the barrel now of going, optimistically speaking, this is a six-month <laughs> development period. I mean, that would be quick. Yeah. yeah. Plus printing, production, shipping distribution yep. and you almost wish you hadn't had the idea I always it, do. Yeah, yeah, it's like, <laughs> now it's too, a millstone it's too good. I, I already had a millstone around my neck because I'm still working on Colossal every month and now I'm like hey Nick here's a new thing what I need is more <laughs> and the way I'm thinking about it actually is that I will probably put something that's a lot larger and a lot longer term yeah. sort of temporarily on hiatus yeah. and maybe push ahead a little bit with this because I do think there's a lot of potential and it could be faster yeah. and it would be fun to get a product out um, and everything else can just rumble along in the background. Yeah. So uh, that's what I'm thinking about at the moment. But even then, even knowing how quick production time and 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 I will enjoy it, but it will be work. Yes, it will be undeniably grind. Be, but then again, there'll be moments within that as well, like because because I'll have to design characters for it, and there'll be a moment where I design a character and and he looks amazing or something. Yeah. I'll be like woo, and I'll have that high, you know, and and then it will be back to balancing numbers and you know stats and and stuff. But yeah, it's being aware that that, that the creativity is is part magic. Granted, maybe maybe ten percent magic, ninety percent grind. Like, and that's fine. But you have to go into it knowing that. I yeah. think, and, yeah. and we know now certainly. The, yeah, it's funny because you know we, one thing we have to do this year is we need to do a reprint of Sandwich Masters. Yes, yeah, and and it's funny because that should be a very positive thing. Like I know it's got you know this is a it good thing. You know, needing to reprint a product. We're is, running out of stock. That's great. Which it is huge. selling. Yeah, um, but I'm also just going like. Bugger me. Like, yeah. it's going to be a faff. It's going to be a faff. Got to be shipping from China. Set up okay. print files again, make yeah. a few alterations, want to tweak a few things, got to yeah. put it on a boat, hope it arrives in good nick. It's just like... It's yeah. a whole load of shit. But all he's doing. Yeah. yeah. The um, But at least with Toxie, you just had to write it and then everyone else yeah. could do all of that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so it's... um. Uh, so yeah, so right now we're in that wonderful... Again, it's literally been like just over 12 hours now since it was announced. 
again, the reaction online has been amazing. Yep. People are going crazy for it, coming out of a woodwork. I didn't know so many people were so passionate about this it's franchise. Mad. Yeah, it's so cool. And um, in a week and a half, it will be physically debuting at uh, PAX East. Yes, which is a big American video games come. Uh, Believe in Boston, PAX East. Right, yes. I think PAX Prime is in Seattle, PAX East is in Boston. Uh, like I think. convention, yeah. big gaming huge, convention, huge convention. Yeah. So yeah. I've I've been privy to this. I've seen what the team are developing. So you'll be able to play a demo. Amazing. Uh, got these massive like visual displays ready. It's going to look really cool. Yeah, I think. yeah. Um, are there I, any plans to come to a UK convention with it? I don't know. I guess it's a bit early days at the moment. I guess, uh, but EGX, is yeah, a big one yeah, in yeah, the that UK. could be a thing. Yeah, yeah that'd be so. cool. Um, one weird trauma thing, which I, I should mention, is is the weird connection it has to um, some other big creators okay. so matt stone and trey parker oh yeah yeah south they, park guys they got their break because the student film they made cannibal the musical which i've seen <laughs> oh really years ago um uh, frank sim showed it to me oh, okay it's quite funny actually i really liked it <laughs> um got picked up by troma Oh. So Troma distributed that movie oh. in the late 80s, I want to say. Interesting. And that was like their first gateway into getting stuff out there. Right. So it was a, I think they openly acknowledged that like Lloyd Kaufman kind of gave them a springboard yeah. to then become what they became. Yeah. And James Gunn. Oh, yeah. Got his break with Troma. Oh, yeah. Didn't know that either. Yeah, he was a writer for Troma. Right. And uh, he even makes a, camp, a few appearances in their movies. As yeah. an actor? As a, yeah, as like, an actor. Right, yeah. yeah, as a face. And yeah. um, so he got his break from wow. Troma. And then, of course, oh, yeah. his, his trajectory is like writing. And I th- may have even shot a movie or two. I can't remember for... Yeah, he directed. Yes. I'm sure he directed some... Well, like recently, yeah. Directed, hasn't well, he? no, that's the thing because I think I can't remember if he he's definitely a writer for Troma. I can't remember if he did any directing for Troma. Oh, I see for Troma, right? But his tra- his trajectory is like kind of like writing for Troma, and then he wrote the to uh, the Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, which was Zack Snyder's springboard. Yeah, so he ways. wrote that. Oh, I didn't know. But realize Zack he wrote Snyder that. shot it, yeah. so that kind of launched both elevated both, both their careers. Yeah, and then he James Gunn wrote and directed Slither. Oh, which is yeah. quite a good kind of horror B-movie kind of thing. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. And then his trajectory's been like rising and rising and rising. And I think um, the movie Super oh, yeah. is written by James Gunn oh, as well. Okay. So these little things where like yeah. he's been in the background. For, and then, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy. Propelled it. And then now, and he's, now he's the head of the DCEU. Yeah, yeah, so it's this weird like... And I think Lloyd Kaufman has a cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy. Really? He's in the prison scene. Oh, in the background as a, cool. as a nice little kind of uh, oh, wow. callback to him so it's yeah. funny like you're kind of like a kingmaker you're kind of like elevated like a, yeah. a few of these people yeah. and this is this again plays massively into this whole like they're bigger than you think yeah yeah. and yet you've probably never heard of they're the biggest studio you've probably never heard of yeah yeah it's weird and like, and <laughs> that should be their tagline <laughs> yeah and they had a cartoon for this hot moment in, yeah. the, in the 90s which yeah. you know regardless of how short it ran for and only one season it's probably harder to make a cartoon series than it is to make a film Particularly a shitty kind of daft, yeah. crappy B movie. Yeah, film. yeah. If you're intentionally um, going for like that low, low yeah, budget, because of. a cartoon series involves a lot of work, a lot of drawing. It involves outsourcing to probably Korea to get your yeah. cells painted yeah. and everything. Like logistically, it's, it's huge. I mean, but I, it can have huge returns. I know, and, I, and like I don't even know what the 
channel situation was like in the early 90s but no. like in america like what channels do you have to talk to, to how do you get it on a network yeah because yeah. at least now we have stuff like maybe you talk to netflix and yeah. you get like a box set release but back then you had to have timetable time in the schedules to run your show I like know. who the hell is going to pick up the phone to toxic crusaders and go yes we'll air that yeah you know in our i don't know five to six p.m slot or whatever like really it's it's crazy really bizarre so to achieve what they did when they did uh, with something so kind of niche, is wild. It's absolutely yeah. wild. And then that, and then now here we are, twenty years later. You know, with a callback to something that everyone was like thirty years later, actually almost. Uh, everyone's like, "Why is this happening?" Yeah. Well, this is why it's happening because it's bigger than you think it is. It's wild. I know. It's, it's funny that like yeah, it's kind of getting its moment moment in the sun again mm. now. The um, but yeah, it's it's very it's all very exciting. I mean. And the funny thing, we should mention this as well, like the funny thing is about the process is that the game was very much like, this is what you've told me, the game was very much like game, gameplay first from a design thing. Yes. They yeah. basically said to you, write the story. Yeah, yeah. And in many ways, you completely took control and, and, and governed yeah. in almost a directorial sense where they were going, what was happening, and you caused... Uh, levels to be redesigned, characters to be added on the basis purely of the things you wrote, right? Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it was wild, really, because I got, I got, I had an incredible degree of creative freedom. Carte blanche, like carte, absolute carte blanche, and yeah. uh, with the approval, obviously, of Sam as the, the developer and the kind of the the directors of the company and the art director, like it all got passed to them for yeah. approval. But it's crazy how they were just like, yeah, write a story, and by doing so, yeah. you governed a lot of what actually came to end up. Happening. Well, yeah, and 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 thank you. It's nice of you to kind of draw attention to it because, yeah, I I, I really appreciated the trust they gave me because yeah. one of the first deliverables, if you will, in the project was to come up with a like a, a story like, treatment, like a plot, like a plot outline. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I wrote like um, a three. It's like three sides of A four. I wrote like a. Because I think at that point they had, you know, they said like, okay, well, look, these are the franchises we have the licenses for. These are the characters we have the licenses for. So I had to like, you know, read up on all that. Yeah. So we want to hit all these beats. We want to reference. And they also said like, you know, Sam was saying like, you know, look, we have a pretty solid idea that there's going to, this is going to be a level. This is going to be a level. Right. This is going to be a level. But you had to tie those levels yeah, together. Yeah. So now, right? and then it's like, and we, we're going to have like an opening cutscene, a closing cutscene, and then like a, like a, an animation between every. Yeah. Uh, you Interstitial know. animation. And then it was like, um, off you go. You know, and, and, and I think they kind of had like a vague idea of what like bosses there might be. Okay. And then I was like, okay, so I can just come up with anything. So um, it was an astonishing amount of freedom. So then again, doing the research and going like, okay, so let's weave a plot together. Yeah. So I've come. So I I I I, I don't want to say too much, but I've come up with this this entire plot now, which is like tying together all these trauma franchises, and um, kind of introducing some new characters because we're playing with some like fun ideas and um yeah, which, yeah. I, which will make sense when you see it and you know i kind of submitted that and sent it over to them and uh, everybody dug it which was great so That's like incredible again the astonishing freedom to kind of just effectively make the plot what i wanted it to be yeah and and try to like i do the characters justice but also kind of like this is a really weird thing i think it would have been really easy to just have a plot air quotes which was just nothing but a series of like happenings and yeah. then a series of just references and everyone probably would have been fine with that probably would have been fine with that yeah, yeah. but like but it, as is always the case with yeah. like, this, like 
when people play this game and watch this game, they'll be like, huh, these guys put way more effort in than they needed to. I think I see. And yeah. that's always one of the greatest compliments. You know, when I consume something, we're consuming Tron Uprising at the yes. moment. Yes, oh my on God, Disney, yeah, on Tron Disney Uprising, Channel. yeah. And that could so easily have just been a cheap throwaway tie-in. Yeah. And yet we've both mentioned that we there's a clearly an amount of care in this. The people yeah. involved with being given Tron Uprising gave a, gave a shit about it. And it's so refreshing watching something that you're probably only watching maybe for nostalgia reasons yeah. or maybe for tie-in reasons or whatever. And then realizing that it has a soul all of its own. And that is only due to the fact that the people involved cared. Uh, yeah. And that's what you've done with the story here, well, clearly. Well, again, thank, thank, thank you. Very kind <laughs> to say. But it, 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 Tron Uprising is an interesting example because it... Ex- I can think of the times in my life where I've gone to consume a thing and yes. then thought and then realize that like you put it very well, but they put so much more effort in than, than they, they needed, needed to. to. Yeah. Uh, for the concept. Because really, let's be honest here, Disney wanted Tron Uprising because they wanted to make more money out of Tron. Yes. That's, that's why it exists. Yes, yeah. That's the unfortunate corporate truth behind why that thing was ever commissioned. Yeah. But then the people involved are creative people, yeah. like you and I. And when we're given a brief. We want to make it good. Yes, because because if you're given the keys to the car, yeah, and you know you're getting a series, you know you're getting a game, you you know it's happening. Yeah, like it's just creative satisfaction. Like yeah. I wouldn't want to turn in a, a story which a perfectly wasn't... average. Yeah, yeah, no, I why strive for average? Yeah, like, right. always aim high. You know? <laughs> yeah, and then fail if you need to. Like you know, <laughs> but you're landing the stars. You've got, you've got to be ambitious. Yeah, yeah so you have. I wanted I to make something that I found creatively satisfying. Yeah, and I Tron is you know similar example. Like you know, they clearly they had a vision and yeah. they went with something. Yeah, and yeah, it's um, and it's I, just it's just the crazy thing, isn't it? It's like no one necessarily cared. Like Tron Uprising, particularly, was probably targeted at kids because it was it was it was shown on disney xd yeah. it was it was you know it was a more kid-friendly version of what was had already come out in the 2010 film um it was an opportunity to probably sell some um commission syndicated time on tv and then sell toys that's yeah. what it was for that was the whole purpose that it was for and kids they actually are more discerning than people think but kids probably would have tolerated and watched in its entirety something that was far less polished, passionate, and soulful yeah. than what we ended up getting. And yet they made it more so. And it's it's just... Avatar The Last Airbender is another prime example of it. It's just like... and uh, Probably, like, that one had more work to do because yeah. it had to work from nothing, yeah. whereas Tron had Tron, at least, behind it. But, but yeah, like... But there's a reason people still talk about Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. In, in any, any conversation yeah. about, like, animated uh, content for children, Avatar The Last Airbender will always come up as the probably greatest example of caring about what you're making that I think probably could ever exist. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know whether it will ever be surpassed. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's fair. <laughs> it's so true. And, 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 and I have to say, and this isn't like a spoiler, like having had an eye on the development yeah. that, is con- that is still ongoing and seeing all the work that people's put in, it's like, I can't tell you how much care people are putting into like the smallest Every elements. pixel. Like everything is being thought about. Yeah. Like... You could have just got a pretty like cut and paste beat yeah. em up, but like we're literally trying to make it a good beat em up. This is the thing. Like the the characters and the franchise aside, everybody on the team wants it to be the best example yeah. of this genre. So it's a very gameplay focused production. Like people are really wanting to be satisfying to play. And this sounds mm. like something. Oh, of course, you'd say that. Because, yeah. <laughs> because you're part of the team and you're marketing the game and the game's just launched. No, 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 no. <laughs> you don't understand. Like. You're new to this world. Yeah, right? I'm not even a big beat em up kind of guy. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, we don't really like Streets of Rage clones, right? As clones is an unfair fr- phrase, but still, like, we don't normally like these kind of games. And you are fairly new, although you've done a few, to the, the world yes, of video yeah, game yeah, creation. Yeah. You have been consistently, and you've told me all this time, bowled over by being in that Discord and, see, and being, you know, 
firsthand seeing how much these people are working and how much they care. Yeah. And it's like, it's it's not a bit of marketing speech here to, to blow up the game. Oh, it's, yeah. Like, it's uh, genuine surprise. Yeah. But, but glad surprise. It's been such a gratifying yeah. situation to be in. It's why I have, I have so much admiration for everyone involved. Because it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a team of artists. Yeah. And they all have their specialities. And like this person's just doing backgrounds. This person's just doing sprites. sprites. Or, yeah. This person's just doing animations. And like, it's incredible. Like, like mm. there's so much thought. We even have a guy who's, who's just consulting on beat-em-ups. Huh. Like literally just consulting on what is satisfying in a beat em up game. What is like he's just coming in to give his opinion on yeah. on different moves and stuff. And that's, that's really I it's mean, really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's care. It's love. Yeah. It's love. No, for, I, I think yeah. I, th I think I think it will pay off. I think we'll really have a product that we can be proud of when yeah. this is over. I think so. Yeah, yeah. What are you up to anyway? <laughs> I've never been talking talking about me a lot. Well, here. no, yeah. I mean I kind of like this being an episode in a way about, you know, Toxie and therefore sort of our creative processes and, and our perspectives on mm. creativity off the back of that. Um, I don't know whether there's anything specifically that I could talk about really, but like, yeah. Like, do, you, do you want to talk about the new colossal thing or is that something for like, a, like the, the new project that will be, you'll be setting um, up soon? Or I, suppose, I suppose I could... Yeah, sort of I don't want to force you into saying you don't no, want no, to No, 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 there's nothing really sort of spoilerific really, but like... Um, I don't know whether we've talked about Colossal on this podcast. Have we talked about it? I mean, I, I would hope. I I'd would hope, hope it's come up. It's, it's quite, my solo RPG. It's quite significant. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, but but yeah, um, I there will be a Kickstarter very soon mm. for what will be the third book in in um, the series. Um, which uh, it's sort of it's exciting the third book because the first two are very much like. That there's the there's the base rule book and then there was like the expansion to the base rule book and there was the first two and I consider those two books as like kind of rounding off the base colossal yeah. experience, um, and now the third book which will be called Kaya which is taking us to a different part of the colossal yeah. is is kind of like this is optional so this is this is an ex a true expansion in the truest yeah. sense of the word because Kaya is a part of the colossal that looks radically different from the rest of it so the colossal typically what we've seen so far has been based on like European castles. Um, uh, castles, you know, the, the classic castellated tops of towers yeah. and, you know, in rolling green fields and, and everything. Um, but there are, around the world, our world, there are very different kinds of castles in different cultures. And most notably, the Japanese castles look wildly different to ours. They're multi-tiered, red roof. Pagodery. Pagodery, kind of, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. And they look brilliant. And I've, I've had the pleasure of going on a tour around one when I went to Japan. And um, they have a whole different approach to fortification and uh, creating battle buildings, battle-oriented buildings. Um, and I thought, well, you know, how cool would it be if there was an area of the Colossal that was Eastern-themed? And so the rooks, these living castles that walk around, and the lands around them are now Eastern-themed rather than And you know, had this, like, most insane cover image because <laughs> uh, obviously like if you haven't if you're not familiar with colossal you really should familiarize yourself with it because it's an award-winning solo rpg <laughs> um but the idea of like the rooks like these giant walking living castles and then just this insane image of like a walking pagoda yeah. with a massive sword kind of <laughs> leaping at, at the protagonist it's just like yeah incredible. well thank you i really wanted to go for like What's scary about the rooks in Kaidino is that they're fast. Yeah. So they're way more agile than, than it should be possible for them to be. These are giants made of stone and, and roof tiles and wood and stuff. Like, they shouldn't be able to move as quickly as they can. And the Kaidino ones particularly are dangerous. And then yeah. the big, like, gameplay gimmick that's unique to Kaidino is that they can critical hit you, mm. um, which previously wasn't possible. Like, the rooks, could, you could critical hit them, 
and do you know extra damage to them but now they can do it back to you and so they are much more of a dangerous enemy than before surprise <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um so so that's really really fun but also it's uh Kyodine is different in, in another way as well, in that it has kind of like a story that runs through the book. Mm. Um, and there's, you know, you can engage with uh, as much of that story as you want to. You can treat Kaidina purely as a new place to explore and new lands to, to tell your own story in. Or you can follow this story of Anya, who is a sort of deposed um, empress mm. um, who wants revenge on her twin brother who was taking the throne, um, sort of, and yeah, using it for malicious purposes. And you can follow that story right to the end where you can help her rec- reclaim her empire and defeat um, defeat her twin brother. And there's a twist at the end of, in that mm. battle as well, mm. which is quite fun. So yeah, it's a bit of an experiment book because it's like uh, Colossal always constantly has to walk this line because it's a journaling game where people can tell their own stories. I've constantly w- got to walk the line in development between giving people new stuff to see and potentially stories to tell, but also leaving it open enough for them to tell their own stories yeah, as well. Yeah. So Kaidina is kind of like my first feelers into the world of giving you both of those things in equal measure. Yes, it's so funny, isn't it? Because you could have taken this in so many different directions. Yeah. And like, it, it's funny because like, if you go, if you go one way, there, there'd always be some people going like, oh, I'd like it more. And there, and there is, believe me. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and now, it's weird in a way, it's like you do get to have your cake and eat it too, because you can give people who want a more scripted experience that. Yes. And then the people who just want complete freedom, they are, they also have a new like kind of sandbox to play in. Hopefully. So, and yeah. hopefully I've walked that line. Mm. Um, it's been it's been out on the patron for, for ages. Yeah, this is the wild thing as well. Yeah. You're, you're, you're so like <laughs> prolific. Like, oh, well, and we chat a lot about Colossal and the stuff you're working on. And you, you, you always seem to be like kind of three books ahead of I where you of currently are. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh yeah, uh, Kaidana's been out for like 15 years, hasn't it? Like, and to some extent, Kaidana has been out yeah. for like eight months, nine, ten months now, Yeah. Because I release it module by module on the Patreon. So patrons get this super, super advanced like uh, discovery of, of Kaidana. And they've been exploring Kaidana for months. Yeah. Um, but, but the general population of Colossal fans um, are you know, beholden to waiting for the book release, which will collect all of that Patreon content into a lovely yeah. hardback book in theory. Um, and and then it will be available on in one fell yeah. swoop for, for, for new players. Well, people are going to want that because, I mean, like, just talking from the outside, again, like, we, we you know, like, this isn't like a salesy thing. I just mean that, like, because it's just, the books are so nice. And then, like, it will just, it's, just, it's the latest, it's like the great American library, isn't it? It's like the, <laughs> the, the, the next installment in this kind of, like, Yeah, well, the series. dream, what, what, I, what I really want to create, and, and hopefully my fans are, are, are up for, joining me on this on this journey is you know you have the core book or books you know colossal and the Runelands. they're 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 your core you can't play colossal without those yeah and then you have i'm wanting to have like almost like a library like you yeah. said of books that follow those two you know and and it could be as many as anyone's willing to support me to make because i have so many ideas it's mm. insane um and but they're all like optional Right. Yes. So you could play Kai Diner, you could play what's coming next after that, or what's coming next after that. You can play them in any order yeah. as well. And you can tell your story and pick and choose the regions or play them all, you know, whatever you want to do. But like the idea is, is that, you know, maybe a new a new fan would come to Colossal and be like, right, I'll buy the base book because that's got the rules on how to play. And then, ooh, I could go to Kai Diner or I could go to this place or I could go to this place. Ooh, this one really appeals to me. I'll grab that. It's technically book five, yeah. but that doesn't matter because beyond the base books... It's kind of like, where do you want your adventure to go? Oh, I'd really like my adventure to go to an Eastern-themed land. Cool, I'll grab Kaya then. And, and that's really what I want it to be. And it plays more, again, into like people being able to tell their story, but me giving them just enough to inspire yeah. them. Because that's really what it is. Like, I'm creating books to inspire people, it, hopefully. Yeah. That's the plan. 
And it's like, oh, I, I've got this really cool idea for like a samurai-esque room lander. Cool, grab Kaya Diner because that's going to suit you down to well, the Well, yeah, because it's kind of, um, it's the same way that like, uh, you know, if you've got the source book, that's all you need. Yeah. But then it's like someone could look at Kaya Diner, like flick through it, like buy the books at the same time, flick through Kaya Diner and go like, Actually, I'm gonna like I'm gonna go right back to basics. Like I'm yeah. just gonna start start the core game, but with a with an element which I've absolutely yeah it's, yeah. Very, it's very clever. Yeah, I, hopefully it's gonna be that sort of pick and mix, grab and choose kind of like what do you want your story to be? And you know maybe in five years I'm gonna have a library of say six books, yeah. and I would be over the moon if I could get to that point. You know, well I think um, again just from the outside looking in, uh, there seems to be an appetite for it like people you know so. your fan base is, is yeah uh, it's genuine they're enjoying this they want to kind of yeah, see more from this yeah the patrons are lovely yeah. actually the, the messages I get from them they yeah. sort of they, they sort of simultaneously can't believe that, that I'm putting this, <laughs> this stuff out every month but then also going yes please I want more yeah. you know Papa Colossal give me more um, and they are hungry for it and, and if any cool. of them are listening right now you'd like to encourage for you please call phrase, me Papa, Papa Colossal Papa Colossal yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've started that now oh no <laughs> What have I done? <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm always working on Colossal. Mm. Um, that will be the next big release. There's some other cool stuff as well. There's some more like new card decks and new sort, yes, of, yes. Uh, sort of accessorial kind of stuff around the edges, yeah. which again, optional, but hopefully additional and fun and will uh, mm. give you more freedom to tell your story within the world. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in keeping up with Colossal, then yeah, you can sign up for the newsletter, and then you'll always you'll always see stuff, yeah. which is just. I'll, I'll make sure website. I put a, a links in the everything cool. we talked about in this episode. I'll make sure I put links in the thank in you the description. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, so that's really what I'm on. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, we're all keeping busy. I mean, seeing as like this has become quite a kind of like self <laughs> I don't know, congratulatory yes. or kind of like shouting thing. Um, I have a I have a, a new project. Which, yes, you do. Um, yeah. By the time you hear this, we'll be launching in a in a week's time. So mm-hmm. there's still time to get involved if you want. Uh, it's called the Comic Writer's Journal. Yes. Uh, it's something I've been developing for a while now, but basically it is a customizable notebook journal for comic writers. Mm. So, uh, you know, whether you're, you've are you never written a comic before in your life or maybe you've written uh, a ton of comics and you just kind of want to refine your existing method, uh, this is a hopefully quite easy to pick up little method described in this template uh, in the notebook where you can plan out your uh, your story uh, in minute detail, you can. Mm. We've got a thing, abroad, abroad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got a cool thing called the um, the page planner, which is a template that allows you to uh, describe what happens on each page of your comic uh, in a, in a neat line. Um, it's not like it's never about telling people like this is how you have to make comics. No, I, I really don't like that. I don't want to be that guy. No, I don't think there is like you say. I don't think there is one way. You know, yeah, like, no, everyone's sure, got yeah. their own way to do things. This is just a thing that proves tool. Yeah, because I used to, I used to like, um, I clearly, because we're here, never shy of big ideas. Yeah. Uh, and like, I think because when I was starting out, like way over a decade ago, like a lot of my ideas were quite ambitious and mm. I never really knew. I start writing. I just yeah. start at the beginning, start writing and then realize that like, oh, hang on a minute. I've run out of space like, yeah. I, and I haven't hit any of the beats. So yeah. this is just um, a method I developed over the years to kind of like get the plot of a story and the structure of a story. Because comics are, are, are really, um, and I believe this quite sincerely, like a medium about restrictions. Yeah. You're always work because you're an artist. Yeah. And your thing is, if you want if you want to make a comic 400 pages long, that's your risk that's going to suffer. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But page limits are very important. Yeah. I think, I, 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 I think there's a point to make here, which is quite interesting, which is I think on the surface, someone could look at a structured journal such as yours and go, 
a page by page planner, why are you restricting the creative process? Yeah. You know, and the answer to that is no, no, no. I'm not restricting the creative process. Comics restrict the creative yes. process. And it's that it's that success through adversity that makes comics as compelling, I think, yeah. as they are. You know, from a writer's perspective, that in order to make a comic, you have to pay write, uh, artists per page. Yes, exactly. Which yeah. means you will have a very, very, very tight, fixed budget in mind. You yeah. know you can afford 22 pages, and that's it. And I wish it were. And I'd love to go of like, course. oh no, I just want to be creative. But like, I'm I'm thinking about volume seven of After I Think right now. Yeah. And I know that I want it to be a five-act structure. Okay. So I'm trying something a little radical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I also know... I'm all I'm thinking about is page counts yeah. because I know what I want to happen, but I'm not going to start writing the damn thing until I'm I know how many pages this is going to be. Indeed, and yeah. how much how much is this book going to cost? Exactly, you, yeah. personally, you, John Locke. Yes. How much is this book going to cost? Because no one else is going to pay that bill. Yeah, you know, and I, I think this is something that it kind of plays into what we're talking about earlier about oh creativity is all magic and oh unicorns and stuff. No, it's not. Right, <laughs> sit down and listen. <laughs> Sh- 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 shut up! Sh- shut, shut up! up. <laughs> Sit. Shut up! <laughs> because you're going to have to know. It's like movie making, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Zack Snyder can make a four and a half hour movie that no one will ever watch or care about, <laughs> but everyone else, right? <laughs> Zack has but, to make a movie that will fit into like yeah. our lives. Well, it's an interesting thing. Like it never occurred to me because I'm a I'm a I'm a silly boy. But like, <laughs> if you're shooting on film, yeah, true. You have to buy. The film. Yeah. Like, literally, I have bought a kilometre of film. <laughs> that will give me, for example, uh, two X hours of, of shooting. Yeah. So you have to be... You have to know what you're doing. Yeah. Because filmmakers don't go into this and just go like, right, um, you know what would be really fun in this movie is if there was a, a mouse... That yeah. spoke. So let's just um, guys just set up the mouse scene and, and like and, and like the head, of, and the head of turning. Turning. He's like wait, why why are we filming why are we filming this discussion? Like, no no no, just keep rolling. Don't lose anything. Yeah, it's, like, it's all gold. It's like no no no. Before yeah. even the cameras are set up and turned on, they know that day yeah. exactly how much they're filming, how much they're going to get through. If they don't get through that, they will go over budget. Yeah, and these companies. If you go over budget, you're done yeah. in the industry. And it, it's seems over. Like, and it seems like a dirty word. Like we're not allowed it to does. talk about the production side of this because oh, you're getting in the way of creativity. But it's like no, no, no. If you don't manage the books, yes, this film won't exist. And that sums yeah. it up perfectly. What you just said is that it's considered a dirty word talking about production. Yeah. And what you have created with the comics journal is exactly that. It's a production tool. Yes. And it sounds like it's formalizing and and. You know, I don't know, like oh, and it is it's taking a, taking it's the a, fun out. It's a joyless <laughs> experience. I, I, I can't I can't stress that enough. Yeah, but you know, unlike writing a novel and a stream of consciousness that just comes out of your head and it turns out to be three hundred thousand words long, unlike that, you are going to have to pay an artist per page. Yeah, you are going to have to know exactly how many pages there are, and then knowing how many pages you can afford, you're going to want to be able to tell as much of the story you hope to tell, and yeah. you will have to cut some stuff as well because that's the world. Yeah. You are going to want to tell as much as you can in that place. And that is what this tool is for. Exactly. Well, yeah, thank you. And I, I think you've, you've summed it up quite succinctly because the one thing it can't do is write the script for you. Of course. But it's actually the thing it doesn't do. And it doesn't even profess to teach you about No. That, does it? No. No. And uh, it, it's literally like if you go through the process in the journal, there's an introductory section that talks you through it. And then the rest of the journal is like blank templates for you to tell many, plan out many stories in. If you go through the process and now you have an overview, a summary, and a page plan. Yep. And now you go write your yes. story. You go write your script or you go draw yeah. it away. And it means you could start writing on page one, you could start writing on page 37, you could start wherever you want and you will always know exactly what happens on each page. Yeah. And then it's over to you. Yeah. So it can't and won't do that for you. No. But now you've got to put the work in and, and write the thing. And I think what's so 
cool about what you've made oh, is, you. is that I... Well, two things. One, I've made a lot of comics already. I've never used anything like this. And two, I don't... <laughs> and it shows. <laughs> oh, it does. No, and, I'm sorry. And, and two, I'm typically not a very structured... Like, despite everything I just said mm. there about creativity, I'm often not a very upfront, structured creator. Like, sure. I will be quite... Particularly with comics, I'll be quite fluid and, and like, develop things as I go and stuff. Because I'm in an advantageous position where I don't have to pay artists per page. So it's literally just my own time yeah. and my own wrist. That said, despite having a number of comics under my belt, despite having not worked in a process like this, everything I've seen about the journal that you've shown me and that, you know, I've been privy to in its development has made me think that my next comic, I'm going to use it to make, which is huge. And it's, and it's not just, it's not, again, this sounds like just marketing bullshit spiel. Like, <laughs> this is the exact kind of product I would have thought I would never have used. And yet I'm going to use it because I genuinely think it's going to help well, me make a you. better story. And, and, and to go against what I, everything I've been saying, the irony is, is that with working with you over the past decade yeah. or so, I've actually learned to loosen up mm. a little bit. Mm. Like, you know, I've learned to be a bit freer. Yeah, yeah. Because of because of your approach to it. It's, oh, wow. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah. No, but it's nice. I mean, like, you know... There's a good, there's a good push and pull, I think, with what we do. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I do obviously have to plan a bit up front. And I, and I, I have a sort of script writing mm. method. But I never, like, and even when I use your journal, most likely, I probably won't output a script when I'm done. I will have a, I will have a page plan. But that's true, because then you as an artist and a writer could, you wouldn't maybe need that script. No, I've never really written scripts. I've sometimes written sections of dialogue. Yeah. Because I know beat by beat, panel by panel, I know, I, I only have so much real estate. And, and this is another thing that like, even as an artist, like you are restricted yeah. because you, you, you can't have something just just bleeding over page after page after page. Sometimes, you know, that a moment has to resolve in a double page spread. Yeah, because if it bleeds over a double page spread, then then the impacts and, and, and momentary aspects of it are going to be lost. Yeah. So you, you even even when I'm an artist and I can just do whatever I want, draw as many pages as I want with time. Yeah, I still have to acknowledge the medium because you're quite like um, uh, an impact kind of creator because okay I, yeah because i think like, I, like uh, I just came up with that it's, it's, it means nothing powerful. but like <laughs> you're right <laughs> i guess because because you can you can do the whole package it's something that's kind of admirable about you it's like you kind of you think about these big moments that are going to mm. hit and yeah. you've got the build-up and the setup and i think it's never there's never any doubt that you can deliver that moment no because you've got a clear vision in mind yeah but interesting what here you talking about wanting to structure things but like now you could it's not that you can't tell that moment, but now maybe this will help you set up the perfect place for it. Absolutely. Yeah. You can have these kind of like pinch points in your story and go yeah. like, well, that's going to happen there. So now what's the journey in between yeah. those moments? And that's to, what I want yeah. it for. That's what I really, really want it for. Because, because so often I will either accidentally sort of maybe get it right yeah. or I will draw it all and then in retrospect I'll go ah, if I'd reordered those scenes a bit differently that would probably have hit a bit stronger mm. and it's all there you know all the, all the content's there but I'm, I'm sort of like I wish I had a way to put my ideas down on paper in a fluid way that would allow me to restructure and, and, and add in or, or take away to to make things hit right and I think that's exactly what this templated journal of yours allows you to do well, it allows you to get you. your order your ideas down in, in an order that you can change well, it's, it's, it's funny because uh, we've talked about this before, but I remember when I did Volume 5 of Afterlife, I think. Mm. Volume 5 was meant to be a series of, I think it was like 12 like interconnected stories mm. that didn't really... I wanted it to be like they didn't really have a beginning, middle and end. Okay. Like you just keep kind of flowing like every yeah. story. And there was a ton of artists on that book and every yeah. story would flow. And sometimes I had one story which like... <laughs> um, 
the artist changed like every page, <laughs> yeah, uh, which was which was a real challenge, and yeah, then trying yeah. to like bring all that together. And it's interesting that like every I had a, I had a, I had a plan in this manner for every kind of scene, mm. but overall it was quite loose. Like I didn't have an overall page count for the book. I say to myself, well, I I'm on to the next story now. I think this one's going to be eight pages because this is a small segment. Okay. So I that was like a looser, more experimental experience. Yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking like, this is one of the most technically experimental things I've done. And I was quite proud of it as an artistic experience. But I remember like when I was serializing it online, I had a few people saying in the moment, like, what's going on? What the hell is going on? And then when they when it was finished, they were like, oh, oh. so now it all works. Yeah. And then book six uh, was exactly 100 pages. I, I said, it's going to be 100 pages and it's going to have a very tight three-act structure. Mm. And I, I, I really, really structured volume six. Mm. And I thought to myself afterwards, it's like, I think this is, uh, I like this, I'm proud of it, but I think yeah. it, it's less... Uh, creative and wild in the previous one. So yes. I'm very proud of Volume 5. I'm very proud of Volume 6. But for like, different reasons. But then yeah. I also had people say on Volume 6, I think this is the best thing you've ever written. And I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. Like, But isn't it interesting how when you, when yeah. you did something slightly more uh, following a formula, a trusted formula, yeah. um, it became something that everyone was able to sort of like process and access because it felt like something they'd they felt before yeah, yeah. in that sense. You know, oh, you got the setup in, in the first act and you got the, the, the climax at the end of act two. And it's, it's all like, oh yeah, these beats are familiar to me. <laughs> yeah. But, and then they turn around and go, and therefore, because it's familiar and like things I've seen before, you're the greatest writer in the world. <laughs> and it's like, isn't that weird? <laughs> it is When odd, you yeah. did something interesting, different, and potentially more technically challenging and, and pulling more of your skill and talent as a writer out for volume five, that was when people went, oh, I'm not sure about this at the time at least. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. And that's maybe a discussion for the future about subjectivity and yeah, objectivity yeah, and shit. And this is a funny thing, isn't it? It's like, there are no rules. But there like, are, but there also are some rules. Yeah, but like, <laughs> and there's a reason humans seem to enjoy certain structures. I think yes. our brains seem they to They are be more wired. cathartic and yeah. satisfying. It gives you a safety net to fall back on. It does. Thing, yeah. And really that's what I want to use your journal for, is that I want to, I want to build the structure and I want to have the bones that I know will, will hit those beats. And then in between, around, and on top of that, I want to do weird shit that will surprise yes. people. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Well, thank you. No, that'd be yeah. really cool. And I'm very excited to see more of your comics. Well, indeed, yes. Yeah, that's, yeah. We've Seven been String, about that. Seven yeah. String is coming back. Let's yeah. just say that. Yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts about what's coming next. So yeah. maybe that'll save that for another podcast, like like a, a sneak peek at what's coming for Seven String, because like we've had a lot of talks about it. Yes. And yeah, it's, very cool. uh, it's... I'm going to do, do some... Fucking crazy shit. I really am. It's, it's going to be so cool. It's it's kind of, I'll say this now, it's kind of like a reboot mm. time skip thing. And well, it's so funny because you've been off in the wild, the wide world of like game design. Art, so game design yeah. so RPGs and done very well, you well, know, for you. yourself. And it's, it's interesting. It's like, you know, and everyone's like, where's, where's Nick the comic man? Where's he been? It's I've like, been asking that. And you're like, I've been growing fat off the land. I've been, I've been like, you've been honing your skills out in the wasteland and now you're coming back. What's funny is that I'm yeah. getting like people who have, you know, because Colossal has done far more for me than anything I've ever made previously. Yeah. But now I've had Colossal fans who are doing deep dives into me and the stuff I've made in the past. Yeah. And so I've had Colossal fans coming to me and going, what's seven string and where can I buy it? And I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh well. Well. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can buy it <laughs> from bigpunchstudios.com. <laughs> Maybe there's... Uh... Maybe you kind of like you do a half comic, half solo, seven string solo RPG, Ooh. just to kind of like, like yeah, just to sort of uh, yeah. ease everyone yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Papa, I would <laughs> Papa Colossal. No, <laughs> <laughs> I need rules. Uh, I, need I need structure. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's um, it's, a, it's an odd episode, isn't it? Like we we've just it been, is. It's, well, we was, I do kind yeah. of feel like this podcast is meant to be like not only about our our creative perspectives and, and processes, but but also about like that in the context of what we're doing. Yeah, you know, and and. I think we've got a few things to talk about. We, we've, we've got some big projects on at the moment. And we, we were saying just earlier, we were saying that like we, we, one thing we're quite bad at is it's like, we're always busy. Yeah. We're very busy, uh, very busy people. And like, we never ever allow ourselves to kind of enjoy the moment. We never stop and smell sometimes. the roses. So to be honest, like one day might be all we get out of it. Like tomorrow yeah. we might be like, tomorrow we're back to the grind, back to the grind, but like yeah. we're trying to just allow. Yeah. And kind of talking about it now, like, we joked about it being a bit salesy, but like, bottom line is it's not intended to be. Like, no. it may come across as sounding like we are we are advertising or shouting about the things we're making, but we're never really the kind of people who care about doing that. We're talking about this purely because we're excited about it, we're proud of it, and you know, uh, we would love it for people to connect with it, engage with it, and enjoy it. Yes, okay, to do so that involves <laughs> paying some money yeah, to us. Yeah. yeah, fine. In a way, I see that as a secondary thing. Like, we all have to live, we have to pay the bills, whatever. But we make this because we love it we make mm. this stuff because we care about it um and we're shouting about it now because with the, because of that reason because we care about it yeah so oh and uh i was i feel that it could be a good fade out which is a really pithy thing to no, say it's all right. but i will say like if anyone is interested in anything we've talked about i'll put links to um uh toxic crusaders yes. to colossal and the comic writers journal i'll put them all in the description do it yeah.